why don't you just start by telling me about Ellie as a person? Um, well, I met Ellie in like the beginning of sick form, sort of like I had a different friendship group to begin with and it sort of broke down a little bit. And um, Ellie was in like all of my classes and she was really lovely to me. And so she just asked me if I wanted to come and like join her friendship group with everyone because she could see that I was a little bit down and like not getting along with my friends. Mm. Um, and I think the main thing that people say about Ellie is like her smile, how like amazing like and like you know you'd walk through the corridor and she would just smile at you and she would always just make everyone feel so welcome I was friends with Ellie since year seven so we actually began our like um secondary school education together and so we we sort of went through quite a few major like milestones together so like doing GCSEs and going to prom together um and then also like going into sick form um me and Ellie I think she sort of developed me as a character really like we sort of because we grew up with each other in a way yeah. through like quite formative years so in a way like the person I am today is kind of formed off of Ellie as well. I didn't become close friends with her until the start of sixth form but it was literally the first day that um, I spotted her and Tilda and um, we went over and spoke to each other and then it was probably every lunchtime and every day after that we spent together and our group just grew and grew um, I would say she was kind of the glue between everyone though a lot yeah, of she put yeah. a lot of people in and introduced us to others and it was really good because I think a lot of us we all came from different friendship groups and she brought us all together and it was really nice just to it was all it was very exciting and we were all happy that we had this new group of friends and it was just so kind of carefree and we just had loads of fun with each other really we all loved it so much because we all got on so well. That was the main thing. I think every, like, it was almost like we were sort of sat there thinking, how have we not been friends before? How have we gone <laughs> through our whole secondary like life and not become like such yeah. good friends like this? Um, what's your fondest memory of Ellie? Have you got any like funny stories, anything? Or you don't want to get her in trouble? <laughs> I think for me, one of my favorite memories of Ellie is actually seeing each other at prom because I arrived like my car arrived I think 10 minutes before hers there so I was sort of sat there waiting for her and she stepped out of the car and it was almost like she looked at me the way like a groom looks at a bride on the wedding day (laughs) like it was so funny because like she looked at me like we looked at each other it's just like I looked and just thought you are so beautiful it was quite a nice experience I have to admit like it was I think prom is probably one of my favorite experiences of Ellie one of the fond well we had lots of gatherings at her house and that's what we used to call them because that's how her parents would allow us to all meet in her house like it wasn't a party it was only a gathering of a few people um and obviously loads of stuff like went on I mean there were times when we broke the front door and we had to try and figure out how to fix the front door before her parents got home people were climbing through their windows and stuff like that it's all just little things like that that Carol her mum now knows about and just finds funny because everything adds up now like she's like oh I remember (laughs) the door broke randomly one morning when she was home alone (laughs) it's just little things like that which we're now able to share with Carol um that have even become fonder for me it was just like the whole of stick form because obviously she was in my like all of my lessons and we sat next to each other in every single lesson so every lesson was so fun with her mm-hmm. and um especially history because we both absolutely hated history like with a passion mm-hmm. and um our teacher just he wasn't the fondest of us I'll just say that <laughs> and um 
like I just remember like we'd be chatting in the back of the class and like he would call us like the Ellie's so he'd like shout Ellie's like what are you doing like that sort of thing <laughs> and like I remember one time um I can't remember what the class was about, but it was so boring. And I just remember at the end of it, Ellie like showed me a video. I had like fallen asleep and she had just like zoomed in <laughs> on my face of just like me there, like falling asleep. But yeah. What, like, do you want to like talk us through the day? I don't know if you guys want to do this like individually, because as you said, it's like, I get it's very different for everyone. I had arranged with Ellie already like the couple, a couple of days before that I was going to pick her up because we both had history together and obviously with a sick form it's all quite lenient you don't really need to go in until your lesson that sort of yeah. thing um and so I had arranged that I was going to pick her up at about 11-ish and then we were going to drive to history together and um I got a message so I messaged her that morning sort of saying you know what's your address that sort of thing just to double check that I was going to go to the right place and um she gave me her address and everything and then a couple hours later I think it was about 20 minutes before I was like about to get in the car to drive to her she had texted me saying like oh don't worry about it like I, I can't be bothered with history today like, like we said she hated history anyways <laughs> um and so she was like I'm just going to study from home today and I was like are, are you sure sort of thing and she was like yeah yeah like it's fine and I was like okay no worries like I'll just go straight to school then and then I went to school as normal. I think there was a few questions of like, where was LA? And I was like, oh, she told me she wasn't going to come in today. She's studying from home, that sort of thing. And then after school, I had gone to my boyfriend's house and I got a call from my dad whilst I was there saying, um, Ellie, you know, please get home. Like there's police at the house. Like, don't like, don't worry. Because obviously I was driving at the time. So we didn't need to like worry with driving. But um, like, don't worry, you haven't done anything. But like, can you just get home because the police police are here and I was like yeah okay so I was I, I was driving home thinking what have I done oh my god I was trying to like flick through like memories of like what have I done that I could actually have had like the police involved like oh my god um and like there was traffic so I was panicking even more and then I got there and like they were in the living room and they obviously they couldn't say anything to my parents my parents had no idea at this point um and they sat me down and um they just we, they were asking a few questions about Ellie to begin with they were just sort of like you know um have you seen Ellie today that sort of thing and I was like well no I was supposed to pick her up but like no she told me not to sort of thing and um to begin with I just sort of thought that oh she's gone for a walk and her mum sort of panicked and called the police because she's not home when she got there sort of thing and so I was just sort of like very blinded to it to begin with and then um sorry um no, and then um they sort of they just sort of looked at me and, and they said oh um Ellie's dead and I just burst into tears I did I literally didn't know what to say um and my mum burst into tears and I didn't even have time to sort of like get myself get my head around that like straight away I was whipped into the kitchen and it was like write a statement you know everything wow. you know about Ellie what happened today this that and the other and um I kind of started putting things together sort of like I kind of eventually knew it was Tom because um I checked on my snap maps and I could see that he was in the area of where Ellie's house was and I sort of showed them like snap maps look he's there sort of thing yeah. um and um but again still very blinded to what he had actually done I was sort of like oh my gosh he's gone over there he's had an argument and he's pushed her down the stairs by accident or something like that yeah I'm like I was sort of like convincing myself that it was all an accident um and then yeah and then I think one by one everyone else got told so I one of the one of our friends Ella she got told after me and um she came to my house that evening and we spent the night together um just to support each other but um I was told by the police I couldn't tell anyone 
and um obviously for everyone else that was obviously really hard and I think to begin with they couldn't quite understand that from me but obviously they understand it now because if I had told anyone it could have you know messed with the case in some sort of way but I think it was really difficult for me because I, I I couldn't tell anyone I literally had to keep it between me and this girl Ella um for the whole night and and not tell and I could see like social media going off on like Instagram you know where's Ellie what's happening with Ellie and like I think they even said something because I was screenshotting pictures um for the police of like my conversations in group chats etc um and they all sort of thought oh Ellie's phone's like messing up again because um I had a really rubbishy phone at that point um but yeah and um I could just see people sort of panicking and sort of the realization coming in coming to people but like them not knowing entirely what had happened and um I just couldn't tell them and it was absolutely heartbreaking I was going to say the next couple of days we did um get to sort of be with each other but that's sort of like it it all sort of merges into one like that weekend just sort of like it was such a daze it was sort of like it was so weird why was it like why weren't you allowed to um, I think because if I had told someone that they could have told them it could have gotten out and they didn't want it to get out just in case someone had said something that could jeopardize the case okay. I think it was. yeah also, so we didn't sway each other's statements as well because if we yeah, were hiding, and we're hiding something we could tell everybody else to actually lie and say it wasn't Tom and stuff like that um so obviously our group had very different experiences with it and the rest of us didn't find out until the day after um but I think the story kind of starts a couple of days before because she'd started talking about wanting to break up with him um and obviously ask girls well I will support you like and do whatever you want to do and stuff like he's still going to be in our friendship group and Ellie was fine with that um and she had made her decision up and I remember on the night before on the Thursday she sent us all a message saying like oh she was going to break up with him um and actually I think she actually told us like she did it and she felt like a massive weight lifted off her shoulders because that that day at school there had been a bit of a situation where we were all stood up at the table um in the study room playing hungry hippos um and he didn't want her to play or something or didn't like that her top was riding up or something like this it's unclear um and he got annoyed at her and like insisted that she sat down next to him instead of playing um and I could see that she wasn't like she that annoyed her um but I came home after that and I just said like I'll message you later um and that was when I think she said that she um was going to or had broken up with him um and then obviously the next day at school she didn't come in but we didn't it wasn't a big deal we like Ellie said she hated history so I think I went to time on the Friday um and I didn't see him in school but I think some people did um and once I went home at about lunchtime I went straight to sleep and I woke up in the evening to a new group chat had been made um by Tom and um he was asking he just said like oh Ellie and I have broken up um it was this big long message and none of it made sense it was just like Ellie and I have broken up we're going on a break um because of exams we had exam uh, mock exams the next week he's been really struggling because his nan's in hospital and his dad's got cancer um and then at the end it
just said and I've been scratching out of stress um and obviously all of us we're all lovely we're like it's okay like whether you and Ellie are together we're still like your friends like you've got us no matter what and stuff yeah. I just went to sleep that night absolutely normal like I found it weird I told my mum I said I woke up to some really weird messages from him but mm. I just accepted it um and then it wasn't until the Saturday morning that um I woke up and people in our group were someone who lives near him said has anyone spoken to Ellie there's police outside Tom's house um and obviously we were we said oh we spoke to Ellie like the other day she seemed fine but we said like let's just make sure that Tom's okay and we were worried for him we were something had happened to him um and then we saw the news articles saying that 17 year old girl um has been found dead in her home on Ellie's street and obviously we were calling her frantically and like Tilda called her mum um and we didn't get any answers until someone confirmed that it was Ellie and I mean like before trying to figure out what was happening um and once we did it was just like the shock just hit in I still like Ellie said it all of the days are a blur um but I just went straight to Tilda's house um and my mum knew straight away, like she put the pieces together. She like knew about the scratches and I completely didn't think of it at all. Mm. I just thought that she got into some trouble, like both of them were hurt. Um, yeah. But then Tilda's and some other people also in our group went to Tilda's and we stayed together that night. And that was when we gave our police statements. Um, and it started adding up, but like Ellie said, we thought that they'd got into an argument or something yeah. and he'd accidentally pushed her and she'd hit her head. Mm-hmm. Um, like at no point did we think he did it intentionally, yeah. less premeditated or anything like that. Um, but yeah, all of the days are massively blurred and especially not being able to be together um, during the first night, I think it was um that was really tough because we were we didn't know who knew was screenshotting stuff um and it started to make sense but everything just blurred and it wasn't until a couple nights later I think we got to all be together and I think it was like four or five nights we were all just together and our parents were like (laughs) like we all slept around Ellie's house and our parents were like bringing us all this food but nobody wanted to eat nobody wanted to like shower or anything it was gross but the whole situation was gross so yeah it was a really confusing and blurred few days Harriet sort of mainly covered like what happened the days before obviously um you could sort of tell just from Ellie's you know the way she was speaking that she was no longer happy with Tom um and you know she sort of I stayed at my boyfriend's house um, and obviously I woke up on the Saturday at his and you know I was just woke up and as you do you sort of go on your social media don't you and I was just scrolling on Facebook um, and he said to me he said you know um, this girl's been murdered in Cowan and I swear this is Ellie's road and I was like it is like um, but I was, I was saying to myself it can't be Ellie like don't mm. overreact till you're just being a drama queen so I went and sat in the front room with his family um, and we had breakfast um and that's when the group chat started sort of popping off and like people sort of saying you know have you heard from Ellie because there's police outside Tom's house um and we all started thinking actually you know I am I didn't speak to her Friday 
so I gave her a text I said it was it stuck me I, I texted her and I said you're not dead are you and that sticks with me ever like ever since it's that one one bit that always gets me every interview <laughs> you'll see that I choke over that bit every time well, I think it um, shows doesn't it because you never expect you never expect that so you do almost say to your friends like where have you gone exactly yeah um and I called Carol and I sort of I left a voicemail saying you know we haven't heard from Ellie is she yeah. okay um and then Carol later told me that she got that voicemail and she felt awful that she couldn't reply to it because obviously she got that voicemail while she was sat in a police car um which oh, is just I didn't know about what happened on the voicemail so I sent a voicemail to Carol just saying you know hi we haven't heard from Ellie in a while right. um is she okay I thought she was just asleep because this all happened sort of in the morning sort of around 10 11 o'clock and I thought you know she's just being lazy <laughs> um but then it turned out you know it went downhill a bit from there so then like Harriet said it was it was really comforting to be able to get sort of Harriet and a couple other people around to mine because we did yeah. just we just cried together yeah. and it was it was quite therapeutic at the time like it was just almost like a little like comfort blanket really yeah. um and like Ellie said, it's literally as soon as you found out she had gone, we were being asked to give statements and things like that. It was just sort of like straight into the investigation. There was yeah. no sort of break. It was sort of like they sort of told you and they didn't really give you time to sort of comprehend it in your mind. Yeah. They sort of like straight away, as soon as they told you, it was like, right, on the table, like write down everything you know. Or like I, in my case, I think I don't know about you guys, but I had to speak it to them. I had to say it to them and they were yeah. writing it. Um, yeah. And I think it was just I think it was so difficult because I, I think I would have appreciated a bit of time to just you know comprehend what I've just been told and like get my head around it and I think I found it so difficult not telling people because like I said I, I saw the group chats going off and then eventually they took my phone from me because they had to investigate so I couldn't even if I wanted to I couldn't reply you know um so it was it was a really difficult couple of days we said we said we had a craving for rotisserie chicken and so all the parents went out and they brought us back like what was it four five rotisserie chickens like, we don't, you know <laughs> we didn't need that much but they were so good yeah I remember um during that night obviously we didn't sleep much at all and if you did sleep because it was Tilda was upstairs in her room and I was in the living room with two of our guy friends um and if you did sleep for like five minutes you'd be woken up to like someone crying um and the waves of emotion were it was crazy like it it started from the first night and we'd have waves of being having so much energy but feeling like so confused because why why are we feeling like this but then you'd hit absolute rock bottom and you wouldn't know what to do because I was so scared that whoever it was that did it to Ellie was going to come do it to us um like whatever monster was out there that killed her I thought like it he could they could still be out there obviously at that point we didn't know that the like monster was Tom but we were so scared of whatever happened to her happening to us because we weren't told that it was him at all we just had to infer based on what we knew I guess anyway it's quite interesting that none of you seemed surprised as in you didn't think it was like deliberate you've said you thought maybe it was like a push and it's just gone a bit wrong or we're so used this is awful but we're so used to seeing and hearing figures about about women being killed by their partners it was almost like our first instinct was to think you know 
Ellie has just broken up with someone like mm-hmm. it's you can't think of anybody else that would deliberately try and harm especially because one thing that the police did tell me I don't know about you two as well but they said there was no damage to the door and I'm not sure whether right. they were supposed to tell me that but that gave me an inkling it's like actually she it's let somebody into her house yeah it wasn't a break-in and Ellie had no sort of enemies if you will if you know what I mean like yeah. no one hated Ellie no one wanted to get revenge on Ellie no one wanted to hurt her like mm. that she, no one had any reason apart from Tom because she had just recently broken up with him yeah. to hurt her yeah and the way that he involved our whole group in it mm. and made us witnesses to his crime like he took as many people as he could down with him and just piecing everything together it started to make sense that this was very calculated and he didn't feel anything for involving us so much in it. I think when you look back as well the message that I got from Ellie saying don't come over um, it wasn't Ellie it was Tom messaging me on her phone so that I didn't go and see what he had done basically and I think I, I look back at that and I think like I don't know what I'd have done if I had just sort of ignored her because it sounds silly but we have this thing called honest Indians um where if we say honest Indians that's our promise we can't break that and Ellie had said to me the day before honest Indians I will come to history of you and so like if I had just for a split second thought no actually I'm just going to go pick her up because she honest Indians that she was going to come to history of me like I just can't even imagine what I'd have walked in on or seen through a window or you know that sort of thing like even if I had walked in as he was walking out and then what would he have done to me like all of those things run through your mind what do you think can be done to sort of prevent this kind of thing happening it's obviously such a broad question but sort of linking to your um petition maybe yeah I think one of the things that we're sort of very passionate about is um self-defense because um when Tom did what he did to Ellie Mm -hmm. um I think a lot of people miss this part and it's it's not really um publicized but he strangled her before he picked the knife up and carried on to do what he did and I think you know we can't say for sure that if Ellie knew self-defense then she'd be here today Mm -hmm. but it's that you know if you have a right, you should have a right to be able to defend yourself in, in a situation like that. And you should, ha- you should be, have a right to have those skills. And I think like there is a possibility that if Ellie knew self-defense, she could have got away from it. And, yeah. it, you know, she might have been hurt or she might, you know, for all we know, it could still have happened. It might have happened in a different way or she could still be here today. We don't know that, but it's just, it's that possibility. And I think we just believe that everyone should have a right to know those skills to be able to defend themselves because if someone like someone's attacking them like they why why do they why should they feel insignificant and unable to protect themselves no absolutely I think also when we say self-defense I think a lot of people they first assume they were talking about I don't know like karate or something that can actually be used to harm someone all we want is almost like um submissive moves to be implicated so sort of moves that you cannot use in any way to harm someone they are merely to protect yourself like they are disarming moves they're not sort of aggravating in any way also want to encourage education on coercive relationships um obviously before if it's someone that you know and you're in a relationship with um hopefully you would never have to use self-defense because you can recognize the signs of a coercive relationship. Yeah. Um, it, 
looking back there are things that in hindsight could have been signs but if they were anything that we thought was significant at the time we wouldn't have let it happen we would have told her like you need to be careful like this isn't healthy you need to get out of this but there are things like being very possessive and refusing to like he didn't like her hanging out with us too much I think it was and like if he wanted her all for himself um and it's just little signs like that and so much more that he didn't even demonstrate that we think people should know as like the first step to protecting themselves before they need self-defense we want to portray that this can also happen in friendships too like it's not just relationships that have these sort of toxic traits in them so like whether it's a girl on girl friendship or girl on boy or boy on boy you can still get these sort of possessive and you know sort of coercive traits in those two definitely I think as well because sadly all this coercive behavior does it usually manifests into something really violent so obviously Mm. if people know the steps you know you don't go straight to yeah no I think that's a really really good point um I also wanted to say as well touch on the self-defense thing because I think with girls girls get a lot of stick for this whole self-defense idea because it's like the idea that will promote violence in women which like what do you sort of say to that kind of thing I think the argument that it promotes sort of aggression and like that sort of thing I think to me that just completely baffles me it's, it's in the name it's self-defense do you know what I mean like um and I think it's like Tilda said we're not here to teach people how to aggravate a situation or how to you know hit someone that's going to take them down sort of thing it's not like that it's it's about disarming someone it's about getting them weak so you can get yourself out of a certain hold that sort of thing it's not about if someone's attacking you you attack them back it's not that it's not that at all and Mm -hmm. I think so many people sort of have that view of it and it's just it's just not the view to take and it's not the view to have no absolutely I think as well with one in three women you can't argue that they don't need defending I think the fact that also most our critics from what I've read so sort of on on um interviews and stuff we've done they are men our critics are men it's so hard to have I'm not saying you know men aren't attacked by their partners and friends and things like that but it's hard when they're the people saying you know women they don't need it like they don't get attacked that often it only happens in urban areas between gangs and things like that when actually self-defense is only possible if someone's attacking you it's such a passive thing you can't defend yourself without someone else there attacking you these aren't moves to promote violence that's completely the opposite of they're so hypocritical considering what our friend has gone through and died because of it you know like I think people need to like step back and think about their mums their sisters their like younger siblings and everyone has someone that they can think about and think how devastated they would be if something happened to them and I think sometimes you just need to step back and you need to think just because I don't experience violence or anything yeah. doesn't mean nobody does and people failing to recognize that is people failing these people that are being injured and murdered by attackers absolutely um, and I think as well the thing that we want we want people to know is that 
it's not just about women and we know that like we this is for men as well like I, I know plenty of men who have come to university and they've been mugged at university yeah no absolutely and benefit and then it's to benefit everyone it's we're not just sat here thinking you know we just need to empower women we want to empower everyone we want to give everyone that opportunity to be able to protect themselves I think as well there is a taboo with like domestic abuse isn't there especially as you say with like men men might not want to admit that they're being hit or it's not treated the same sometimes I think um but at least like self-defense in schools as you're kind of petitioning for it gives them you know almost that they don't have to admit they need help they're still getting that help hopefully if we start off not young but if we start off at age where they're still developing and sort of you know um growing into their own sort of person if we teach them at that age you know it's okay to feel that you need to be able to defend yourself and educate it sort of takes away that toxic masculinity that some people talk about about how sort of you know men have this feeling that they can't come forward um I also kind of wanted to touch on like um criminal age of responsibility I'm guessing you guys probably have some thoughts on it yeah this is a touchy subject for us um because as as you know um when Tom committed the crime that he commit he was 17 he was only a few months away from being 18 and because of that because he was 17 he got a lower sentence because he wasn't seen as an adult at the time that he committed the crime um and I think the view that was away from 17 and 18 you're gonna know what you're doing when you pick up a knife and do what he did you're gonna know what you're doing when you put your hands around someone's throat like there's no sort of difference in a couple of months of what you're gonna do if you know what I mean Tom was judged the same way I think it was a 13 year old would be judged yeah Um, so in fact he wrote an apology letter got him two years off his sentence yet the judge thought it was a heinous crime of what he what he did and I just think it was. the justice yeah. system is just so flawed in the fact that they can treat a boy that's nearly 18 the same as a child absolutely it makes no sense to have this system where such a big age difference can be treated the same um you're never going to achieve justice yeah. by refusing to acknowledge the difference between like a 13 year old and a 17 year old the fact that it's not a sliding scale just blows my mind I can't even understand why it's never been a sliding scale it makes no sense and it's something that Carol has brought forward and there's been no improvement on it. I think if anything it's actually quite dangerous because it sort of gives that level of leniency to kind of things and I think you know the criminal age responsibility is there to protect children essentially but mm. he wasn't a child and he wasn't unaware of what he was doing I he just had full capacity my privileged boy who came from a loving family and the fact that he I'm gonna be honest we do believe it was premeditated just from the steps that he took and the way that he tried to create this alibi for yeah. himself yeah. after you know he hid everything um you know the fact he went into school and lied about um how he'd been self-harming and things like that is just the fact that he also drove illegally to ellie's house like he didn't choose to get the bus um he drove without his driving license to ellie's house and then drove all the way home that's what in itself it could have harmed someone else if he 
he was on his way to yeah. go and kill Ellie. If he had killed someone on the way, then he would never have killed Ellie, but he never would have been, like, it was so planned. He went there with the motive. It's people like, the judge even said that it looks like he went there to go and kill her. Like, he knew what he was doing. So he didn't get any sort of punishment for driving illegally, but had he have injured or killed someone on the way, then he would still be with a much lesser sentence and then be out, even despite the fact that he intended to go and kill her. Mm. And there was so, like, he put so many other people on the road instead of just Ellie in danger that day and nothing was done about it. I just think for me, hearing like driving without a license to me, that's desperate. That's like desperate yeah. to go over and control. Because obviously yeah. she might, may have said, I'm not feeling, you know, that this is going to go anywhere. Mm. I just... It's not normal. It wasn't normal for him either. I mean, there's a bus that literally stops outside, like a five minute walk away from his house where he would, if he wanted to go to Ellie's, if he wanted to go to work, because he worked in yeah. Cannes, um, he'd get that bus and he, it would drop, drop him off again five ten minute walk away from Ellie's so yeah. if he really wanted to go and see her just to talk to her just to you know try and win her back let's say he would have just got the bus if he didn't yeah. if he didn't think that he was going to come away from that having to get away wow. quickly then mm. he wouldn't he would either just got the bus he was on that bus as well though wasn't he like to I get from school. Yeah, yeah to get from school to his house to then hide from his mum in his wardrobe change his clothes and then drive illegally he could have if he just wanted to speak to Ellie which is what he was claiming then he would have just stayed on bus yeah I was just FaceTimed her yeah I just think as soon as I read this I just thought he is the biggest example of someone that's like taken advantage huge of the criminal yeah yeah 100%. it's there to protect kids that you know have maybe been abused and have lashed out and have done something awful but he's really the epitome of has yeah. had everything really mm. and he's still like this. yeah mm-hmm. it doesn't yeah. deter people at all I think no. you know the whole criminal justice system has this idea of trying to deter people from crimes and that sort of thing it's just it's just not what's happening I mean yeah. like if you if you put it in a way of like oh if I do this crime at 17 but if I I'll get a lower sentence but if I do this crime at 18 then I'll get a really high sentence well you know I'm gonna do it at 17 then Especially, he's sort of playing the book in a way by saying self-harm, because that's sort of indicating of a mental yeah. illness, mm. which is complete disrespect for what he's done anyway. He's played yeah, yeah. the system, essentially, which I yeah. just think... I mean, I don't think the law's been updated for, what, 21 years? It's just ridiculous. It's ridiculous. So outdated. And I think in, like, you know, so much has changed, and we're such a progressive society, mm. and to have not changed the law in that long is just... Yeah. It baffles me. It genuinely baffles me, and it's like we're comparing like 2021 or 2019 you know when he did it to 21 years ago like it's just not the same it's not the same society I just think it's so dangerous creating that leniency because it wasn't just to make it's horrendous what he did yeah and I don't think someone like that after what was it he got like 12 years like something really just 12 and a half years what's the name Tom is it um, yeah, he, I think he just really did say the right things. Yeah, you know, a letter. He's seventeen years old. He didn't even write it. It was his attorney. His attorney, yeah. and it was the whole like, 
oh, he's um, he was a swimmer. He was a rugby player. So, you know, he had a great life ahead of him. And it's like, he d- he probably got his puffin badge, you know, <laughs> like something like that. It was like something ridiculous. I mean, yeah. he stopped, stopped grasping at anything they possibly could to make this guy seem like such, such a, a good guy, such a good person and who puts back into society and like that sort of thing. I think it one worked. of them, they called her a star, they called him a star swimmer, didn't they? And yeah. made out like this like Olympic, you know, athlete. When actually, like Ellie said, he did, he did swimming lessons. That was it. I mean, I've kind of come to the end of my questions. If you guys want to add anything, if you have any like, you know, response to critics, this is kind of your flaw. I just want to reiterate as well, because I think when we did um, BBC Politics, one of the things that came up after we after we did our interview was, you know, self-defense wouldn't work if someone's coming at you with a knife. Um, and I think the one thing I wanted to say to that is obviously, first of all, Ellie was strangled I want to get that out there because I think people really miss that and and it is it's a huge part like it it is a huge part to what he did to her and on top of that as well I think when we did self-defense classes we did get taught how to like disarm someone with a knife like coming at you with a knife obviously like didn't use that natural knife just sort of like pretended but yeah um that there are moves that you can do. Yeah, I think to... I've seen YouTube videos of. Yeah. Um, on that same interview, someone was arguing that it's not necessary that all schools are teaching self-defense because it's like they should only be targeted um, at schools in urban areas with high crime rates. Really? Um, this happened in Wiltshire, which is one of the yeah, safest yeah. counties. Um, it can happen to anyone. And why risk it? Like, it could be you next, you know? It could be someone that you love. I don't understand the whole point of just waiting and seeing and just like, oh, if it happens, it'll be another big case and maybe then they'll listen to us. Like, how many more people need to die as a result of domestic violence before it starts being taken seriously? Absolutely. I think as well with you three girls, it really comes across that it could happen to, you know, you guys live in like a nice area. And the level of violence is just, it doesn't even bear thinking about. So it just, like, you don't have to be from a certain area for this to happen. It hasn't got to be a certain type of person either. Like, when you look at Tom, like, obviously, everyone was so shocked because of who he was. He was, you know, middle class, grew up with a loving family and had no mental health problems, which was proven by the psychologist that assessed him. you know went to a really nice school in like a well sort of built up area yeah you know it's not he didn't have any involvement in drugs any Mm. involvement in previous crime like it it could be anyone the fact that he did have a good upbringing can't take away from the fact that he did commit this crime and the fact that it like earned him a lesser sentence is completely irrelevant and completely unfair that it was used to rob Ellie and her family of the justice that they've served. I think as well, like, don't they put it as well? They, so they, they use the fact that you haven't had a good upbringing and you haven't had this, that and the other as um, a way to say, okay, well, this is what's caused them to do this. They've obviously had, you know, adverse childhood experiences that mean that they've, you know, gone on to be 
the way they are sort of thing so I don't understand how it can work in both ways if you know what I mean like I think if anything it's more scary that Tom had a good upbringing because there was nothing there that pushed him to do what he did there was nothing there that caused any mental health problems for him or caused any you know misunderstanding on from, from him that made him do what he did he did what he did off of his own back he didn't you know he didn't think there was nothing in his childhood where you know possibly he was abused where that led you know to him being abusive later on in life it was he had such a good upbringing he had such a nice family who loved him you know he had a very easy you know easygoing life who with families and friends who absolutely adored him yet he still did something so malicious and so disgusting what he did took it that step further it took it you know to something that was inhumane disgusting and almost animal-like you can see an example like like you were saying how they use um bad things that have happened in these people's past as excuses for them committing these crimes and one of the excuses that was used is that he was struggling because his nan was in hospital his dad had cancer and we had mock exams the next week I mean everyone like in our year across the country had mock exams and everyone managed to get through them without committing such a crime or any crime um, and this universal law that is created to punish people that do things like in this case is extremely flawed I think that's what makes him so dangerous is because he had enough reasons to be absolutely fine and be like everyone else and not do this to Ellie but he still went and did it and just because he's considered a good person because of his upbringing and the fact that he had the stresses which everybody else deals with he got a lesser sentence I agree Harriet you know everyone everyone has like you said everyone was going through mock exams everyone has loved ones who are ill or know someone who is ill do you know and it, it is terrible it's horrible it's heartbreaking it is but that doesn't mean you can murder someone you know no you know I like people know people who are ill it doesn't mean they're going to go and pick up a knife and stab someone else like it's not it doesn't cause you to do that it's heart it is heartbreaking to know someone ill especially someone so close to you it, it is devastating but you don't go and pick up a knife and kill someone else it just shows how quickly he can snap because if he can have that little amount of stress and, and have a, such a cushy life you know living at home with his parents still no bills stuff like that being in a three-month relationship you know that ended and yet he can't deal with that amount of stress and he goes and takes it out on someone and actually ends their life it does just show that he really shouldn't be allowed back out because what about if he does that again what about if this time he's in a six-month relationship and you know there's a little bit of stress from work and he snaps and grabs the knife again you know it's just it, there's no excuse there to be honest like there's no reason because his psychologist said he was 100% sane you know there was no mental illness there no history of it really and I just think he's unsafe personally. I think as well, it brings up a really interesting question about rehabilitation anyway, because obviously the reasons they've given for him being such a good guy, they can't really explain why he did what he did. So what's to say yeah. that, you know, if he's such a good guy, then why did he do that? So that if they can't explain it, I don't know how they can almost like reassure, because it's their duty to keep people 
if they're not fit exactly. for society they shouldn't be out so like what is your opinion on like rehabilitation to... for these crimes and there's nothing to rehabilitate either like he there's nothing in him that needs to be mended like he literally he literally just like got too angry that was pretty much it i um 100% believe in rehabilitation for majority of people i i think you know like we said before people have awful upbringings and they get in the wrong crowd and you know that sort of thing and they need they need to come to terms with their upbringing or what's happened to them their own mental illness and they need to sort of come to terms with that and I can see how that can cause someone to you know snap and do that do something irrational I can see that and I, I do 100% believe that that can you know people can be re rehabilitated in that sort of situation because you know there's therapy out there there's there's so many things for people who have problems that can be solved the scary thing with Tom is that he doesn't have problems that can be solved there's nothing there to like like Tilda said there's nothing there to fix there's not there's no adverse child experiences that he needs to get over there's that he needs to come to terms with or there's no sort of mental health problems there that he needs to you know again come to terms with and understand and manage so you look at it and you think well can he be rehabilitated because there's nothing there to rehabilitate if you know what I mean um <laughs> also talking um to women's aid and they kind of brought an interesting angle of self-defense obviously as important as it is is or there's also an element of you know like you teach maybe boys to act better, if I'm putting that in the right way. You know, girls obviously, sadly, will have to defend themselves statistically at some point in their life. But yeah. do you think there's like, you know, we could re-educate boys in a sense that sometimes maybe boys don't know that they're being intrusive in such a way because it is so, sometimes so like embedded, you know, like even coming yeah. into a personal space or... I was just going to say that like, I think... I think there is more that needs to be done in teaching boys that you know how to treat women and how to respect women and how to respect others in general I mean I remember when I was younger constantly being told boys will be boys constantly being told if a boy likes you it's he you know if I'm being hurt by a boy if I'm being teased by a boy it's because he likes you yeah. no wonder we go into relationships later on in life and you know we get into these horrible toxic relationships where women are being abused by their partners because we're told from a young age it's that's why they, they, they're doing it because they love us they're doing it because they like us and we, we put up with that so I think just sort of getting rid of stereotypes like that it's little things I mean it seems yeah. so minuscule it seems so minimal but that sort of thing I mean like it is exactly what I was told I remember um like I was when I was I think I was about eight years old and a boy had kissed me and I had originally told him no and said I didn't want it and he did it anyways and I remember because right, it was around um, someone's house I went into um, and told his mum and she just looked at me and laughed and went boys will be boys and I thought that's not that's not what you say yeah. and like and now who knows who that person has become nowadays if that was his upbringing if that's what if that's what he's being told if that's mm. the way he's been brought up in that you know our oh, boys do that you know it's a boy thing you're allowed to do that you're a boy course why wouldn't they why wouldn't they think that that's okay i think um like tilda said earlier the list of things that women think about when they 
go before they go outside I think boys need to be educated on that side of things because they can't understand that the little things like that are the things that flood like our minds before we go and do a simple thing they, they wouldn't even think twice about and I know like a lot of the time friendships can be coercive and I'm sure a lot of people have experienced coercive friendships but the and they it's not recognized because the other person can't see that what they're doing is hurting you and I think I mean one of the people that I spoke to after Ellie died um I was struggling so much with the whole idea that someone so close to you that you trusted and that you know she thought loved her could do something like this and I was saying that I, I can't understand because like someone he claimed to love her so much and she believed it and someone that loves you doesn't kill you but her argument was that yes like that does happen but I think it needs to be reinforced that it's not that's not a healthy relationship that's not this type of love or a form of love that should even be considered acceptable because it is that sort of distorted idea that they're going to like there's going to be rough patches and like they're only doing it because they love me and that's so not true and it needs to be completely like that whole idea needs to be completely gone and completely like rid of everyone's minds because it's untrue and you can't keep staying in a relationship or a friendship or anything where you're being hurt and a lot of the time the other person especially in friendships I found get annoyed um when you tell them that what they're doing is hurting you or that they're making you feel uncomfortable or whatever but um I heard somewhere that someone saying that accountability only feels like an attack when the person refuses to acknowledge that what they're doing to you is hurting you and people need to understand that what you you telling them that you are being hurt by them and that you aren't receiving the love that you want to receive from them is completely valid and if they can't accept that and they can't change that then that's their problem and you have the right and the power and the autonomy to move on and that's what needs to happen because without the education people aren't going to understand the lives and the thoughts that women have because it is such a dangerous world and they are so vulnerable in it. I think following on from what Harry and Ellie said together the idea that actually I do feel that some of the education also needs to be put on mothers because from what Ellie was saying I had such a different upbringing to Ellie's by the sounds of it because my mum always taught me you know if somebody's hitting you you need to get out straight away and like boys should not be doing stuff without your consent and things like that and it just shows actually maybe we should be teaching the mothers you know maybe young when their kids are born or know the mothering classes that you go to in preschool and things like that where actually it's it's not okay to brush aside boys being boys and it's not okay to just you know just go along with it and you know they'll grow out of it and things like that because they're then again that is creating this sort of toxic society where actually it is okay for boys to get away with things that just aren't that just shouldn't be accepted and it's like I said without you know the mother turning around and saying to me you know oh boys will be boys what I don't understand is that that's come from a mother that's come mm. from someone who has a daughter who's got a child and you know knows how sort of precious their children are and to sort of brush off something that's actually if you look into that what does that mean for him in the future what does that 
I mean, and I think it is like what Tilda says, just important for parents to say to their children that their, their feelings are valid and that if they feel that someone's upsetting them, someone's hurting them, it's not okay. It's not something that you can brush over and you do need to take that further and you do need to understand your feelings on that and accept your feelings on that. Sometimes I do also feel like it's a generational thing as well and I'm not trying to brush age under the carpet but obviously the feminist movement has moved forwards and it is a lot more sort of um, you know apparent in today's society where you know women are more able to stand up for themselves because I do feel back obviously when our parents were growing up it was a little bit more like men could get away with a lot more things like I just think now it's a lot less accepted and therefore it needs to be changed. We have faced a lot of critics with our um, self-defence coming into the school curriculum. But one of the main things that did really sort of upset me when I read it was because I went back over the debate that the politicians had um, in the House of Commons about it. And one of the first lines was the Speaker of the House, I think his name is Philip Hollibone, and he was ridiculing uh, James Gray about being a self-defense master just for bringing up the fact that you know he was bringing up that women want to feel safe fence um he it's just the fact that you know we got it that far we showed that people supported our campaign and that you know they wanted to be able to be able to defend themselves if they were ever attacked and it got to that level and we still had men ridiculing what we stand for um you know we had but I think there was an MP who to be fair he did support what we wanted to do um but he brought up the fact that why can't we just buy women um and children in school sort of boys and girls just rape alarms but actually it would be more cost effective to bring in self-defense rather than just buy everybody a rape alarm because a rape alarm you can't hear it when it's going off in a house um you know, because like we know, Ellie was murdered in her own kitchen um, and it wouldn't have helped her setting off a rape alarm because, you know, often people do turn their heads to loud noises. Um, I just think that that is sort of a way of getting out of educating people about self-defence, really. Can I just add on to that and say that by... This was the first sentence that was said um, where before our MP James Gray was proposing our petition. Um, and I think it's a, a very valid example of toxic masculinity and how he was being taken the mick out of and, you know, said that he is their um, jujitsu and like karate professional. Um, and just for standing up for Ellie, a girl who was murdered, um, and I think it, alongside being an example of toxic masculinity, it also shows that they were in no position or mindset to even consider our campaign. They went into it and they introduced it completely with closed minds without even consideration for thinking what we're proposing. No research was done even into us. It was brushed over. It was almost like they wanted to silence us because we'd managed to get to 10,000 signatures where it had to be taken to the House of Commons and despite all of these people supporting us and saying and parents saying that they wish that their children knew this like you do 
swimming safety and stuff like that and like road safety but people don't know how to defend themselves if someone's coming at you and regardless of all these people expressing their emotions and their opinions and positive thoughts towards our campaign it was completely silenced and belittled before James Gray even had anything to say about it so I think that's disgusting to be honest and completely unfair on us because we and everyone else and all of the victims of domestic abuse deserve way more than that from our own government. Even before they got it into the House of Commons I think they did try and silence us again because I remember when our um, our petition originally reached 10,000 signatures we had an MP or a couple of MPs step forward and say you know this shouldn't be debated in House of Commons because it's on the wrong um, petition website so we did it on change.org um, when apparently it was supposed to be on the actual parliament petition site but at that time um, the actual government petition website was actually down so we couldn't make a petition on that so they, they even then they were making excuses to why we shouldn't you know have our voice heard um, Vicky Ford who was who's the children's minister um, she was the person who actually said you know why why it shouldn't be put forward and why we shouldn't sort of roll out self-defense into schools and she sort of used the example of you know swimming safety you can't even compare that to self-defense because you know swimming safety is universal you know people want to know how to swim where it's like actually women want to know how to defend themselves um the fact that she said swimming is different because you know that you're going to get into water where self-defense shouldn't be used because you know how are you supposed to use it in circumstances that are quite different from premeditated, deliberate and unexpected attacks and it's actually the whole point of having knowing self-defense is to protect yourself from a deliberate attack just out of interest why do you think there is such resistance within politicians to roll this out i i think mainly just from what i've seen it's the budget when actually we have said before it wouldn't like the ideas that we have wouldn't take that much out of the education budget I also just think the government is so predominantly males and they just don't see it they don't see the need for for this they like we said earlier in this podcast that domestic violence does does feel like a topic that is just brushed under the rug it's just accepted in society these days which just shouldn't shouldn't happen I think as well, I think they see us as three young girls who are just sort of throwing our toys out the pram and saying, oh, it's not fair, you know? And it's, it really annoys me because it's like Harriet said earlier, I don't know how many more people need to die and I don't know how many more people need to be injured or hurt or abused for people to realise that it's not unfair. It's completely unjust and disgusting that we live in a society where that sort of thing is brushed over and ignored and accepted as normal I have the quote of what like the word for word quote of what that guy said the um Philip Hollowbone so he put um we're going to hear from the the house's kung fu mixed martial arts and Krav Maga specialist Mr James Gray um so that's how he introduced our petition to um parliament which was obviously as you can probably tell it's very um he is just clearly taking the mick out of what we're trying to do. And even then comparing it to jiu-jitsu and martial arts and stuff, again, one of the biggest misconceptions when people talk about our campaign is that self-defense is an aggressive thing. And by comparing it to 
the martial arts is completely untrue and I can see why they would reject it and why it can be seen as counterproductive because it encourages aggressive people and people to have the knowledge to attack but that's completely untrue and I just think that this system that's been created to apparently protect us and punish people that have done wrong and to provide justice for people who have had wrong done to them is completely flawed and is in no state to protect the public and it continues as every as each new person every week month whenever it is dies as a result of domestic abuse more and more women as a whole and men and just the general public are being failed by the government and they refuse to acknowledge that their failing to do something is their compliance with domestic abuse. I think I read of mimicking to me just seems I don't know kind of like an admittance of like they're uncomfortable maybe that this is even being you know like we're meant to live in a very kind of advanced society but we've actually got you know three young girls who have already experienced something that no one should experience and you've actually had to you've effectively had to go to the adults about this and it's being mocked mm -hmm. I think that's a slight admittance yeah Some but again they still won't do it yeah i mean there's that i think i'm me personally i'm just really disappointed like this company is supposed to be elevating women and making them feel like empowered and stuff by just saying that you know if you get attacked you just got to let it happen it's it's ridiculous we live in such a progressive society where that sort of thing just shouldn't be accepted anymore you shouldn't just lie down and take it like you should actually be able to protect yourself I think they also argued against um, our wanting to implement self-defense they argued by saying that 99% of women freeze when they're in a situation like like that and I just think that's completely that's completely not the point you know what about the other one percent we're just going to give up on them like it could be like one of them next you know and are they going to think oh you know I'm part of the one percent or something you know and I think as well like I think it's the the reason people freeze is because they don't know what to do because they haven't been taught what to do. I think if it was a massive thing that at, from a young age you get taught how to defend yourself, you would instinctively then be able to protect yourself. It would become second nature almost that when you're in, you know, danger, you will protect yourself if you've got those skills. Yes, it might take time to sort of get the confidence up to use those skills, but you know once you're doing it constantly from a young age it's gonna sort of become second nature at some point and I think um obviously they touched on their focus on re-education which obviously we agree with but that could take ages to fully like get into effect and I think why are we waiting but I guess I mean that's shown that's their mentality you know like the one percent you know they clearly don't seem to care that much about it if they're willing to just let it happen if it's going to happen but you know I think they need to step back and just think actually what about the people that aren't going to freeze or stuff like that and it is as well like re-education is a massive part of it it is a huge you know part of this entire situation that does need to be touched upon and we do need to re-educate younger children on how to respect women and how to respect everyone and that you, you know you don't do those sort of things to people but that like re-educating people doesn't happen within the night 
it doesn't happen in a day it doesn't happen in a month it takes years and years and years to teach a whole generation of young people how to treat other others and treat and teaching you know the generations that haven't been taught it already so you know that it's going to take a long time in the meantime rather than just sitting around waiting for that to happen provide people with the ability to protect themselves and re-education obviously that that is the source like you would be um sorting the problem out at the source you said it's not going to happen overnight and we want we want that to be the case but it just won't be so you know telling of their sort of mindset but let's try and solve this tomorrow rather than waiting for it to be full in full effect because even then people yeah. know not to do these things but they're still doing them so it's wrong that women are having to change the way they live and dress and all of this to protect themselves but you know let's put that in place and give them the opportunity to have those skills should they need to use them and also work on re-education. And I don't, I don't think you can guarantee that everyone's going to listen to the re-education because, you know, we're taught morals from a young age. We're taught right from wrong. You know that rape is wrong. You know that sexual harassment is wrong and you know that sexual assault is wrong. Yet it still happens. So going to be someone who still does it, you know, as much as we can re-educate a society to know that rape is wrong, which they should already know. It's, you, there's going to be someone who's not going to listen. There's going to be someone who still wants to do it. I think if if our situation has shown nothing else, I think it's just shown that the people in charge and the people that are there to try and protect us aren't doing their job properly. You know, the justice system isn't out there to give the right people justice and it's not there to punish the right people to the right extent. Um, and equally, you know, this major women's organisation, we're extremely disappointed that they, you know, argued against our ideas with saying these things. It doesn't make sense. And I think it's 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 extremely disappointing to see other women stopping other women from being empowered and from protecting themselves like they need to. I feel like they're almost giving up it's like you said Harry like on that one percent who might freeze or you know on these women who if it's going to happen it's going to happen they're almost giving up on them and it's like well you know it, it's going to happen so we can't stop that we just have to help them when it does happen and it's like well no why don't we help them in the time that you know to be able to stop it from happening like yes you've got to help them afterwards if it does happen but like why not try and get in there before that stop it from actually happening in the first place yeah i think as well because this hasn't happened before like there hasn't been a large scale like self-defense in the curriculum you'd like to think that it'd be a learned response you know you wouldn't freeze even if it was like two people that's two people more than it would have been that have just exactly. known not to even to get into the situation of like you know get space or like push them back or you know because some people do just completely freeze and I think yeah. it's just having that confidence to react. And we're not talking mass violence here. And we're not talking, you know, knife skills. We're talking about just the basic thing of not, you know, one in three women. You can't tell me that that doesn't need addressing as a government issue. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, um, talking about this 1%, um, but to fight back and then remarks on Tom to show that she did and to think that if she had known self-defense like she could have saved herself you know this one percent is not just a statistic you know to us it's Ellie to you it's someone else and just like think about the possibility that you giving up on 
that one percent because it's only a small chance is someone's life you know it's more than one person's life it 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 is extremely closed-minded to just think of it as a statistic yeah like that one percent is someone's friend it's someone's daughter it's someone's mother it's someone's sister like it's someone close to everyone 